This is Gareth Southgate and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Welcome to episode 50 of the Three Lions podcast. My name's Russell Osborne. Now, I hope you enjoyed the previous episode where I was joined by Glenn Isherwood as we look back on the old Wembley Stadium. Now, in a strange twist of fate, you find me at Wembley Way, where those twin towers were now replaced by the large white arch that dominates the skyline in this part of London. Bobby Moore standing beneath it. I'll tell you why I'm here in a moment, but what's been going on recently? So Southampton was announced as the venue for Kosovo at home in September. Tickets have since gone on sale and they are available on the FA.com. Phil Neville announced his Lionesses squad for the World Cup in France. I've got a Lionesses podcast up my sleeve, so we'll reflect on that nearer the time. But I thought, what a clever way all the players were released to the public on Twitter by some very famous people and some Radio 1 presenters that I've not heard of. Both the under-17 boys and girls have been in action. Steve Cooper's boys were over in Ireland in the European Championships. They began with a 1-1 draw against France. Arsenal's Sam Greenwood with a first-half penalty before France equalised late on. Unfortunately, the next game saw them go down 5-2 to Holland, this despite twice going ahead. They then went and beat Sweden 3-1, but with France beating Holland, progression was out of their hands, leaving the boys coming home with their heads held high. And the under-17 girls are looking to make it to the knockout stages of the under-17 championships. They were in Bulgaria, initially beaten 4-0 by Germany. Gemma Granger's girls fought back to beat Austria 2-1, and then they went to beat the Dutch girls 2-0. And the Toulon tournament returns for the under-20 young Lions soon. England have been drawn against Japan, Portugal and Chile. And that kicks off on the 1st of June when we face Japan in France. Now, obviously, we have four sides in European finals this year. Liverpool and Tottenham contest the Champions League final six days before we face Holland in the Nations League. Now, I've read various threads on whether this is a good thing or not from an English perspective. Gareth Southgate has gone on record saying his preparations have been made a little more complicated but this is a challenge we have to deal with as a group of staff. Of course, there is a vast amount of players that could be affected. Trent Alexander-Arnold, Joe Gomez, Jordan Henderson, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, Danny Rose, Kieran Trippier, Eric Dyer, Deli Alley, Harry Winks, Harry Kane, and then, of course, Chelsea, Ross Barkley and Ruben Loftus-Cheek. And we'll just have to wait until Gareth announces that squad and see how it all pans out. I'm hoping that it'll all be a positive, but there's always that possibility of an injury, isn't there? I'll have a Nations League preview podcast. I'm hoping to get that out 
obviously before the tournament begins. Right, back to why I'm here in HA9. If you want to follow England, home or away, you'll need a ticket, and generally the only way to get one is to be part of either the England Supporters Club or the England Supporters Travel Club. They are the ones who are tasked with making it easier for us to follow the Free Lions, and they've been kind enough to give me some time for a chat to find out what's involved. So I'm now inside Wembley and I'm inside one of the boxes that looks out onto the Wembley pitch, glorious Wembley pitch, obviously being prepared in anticipation of the cup final at the weekend between Manchester City and Watford. And I'm pleased to say that Richard Weeks from the England Sporters Club has joined me. Richard. Hello, nice to be here. Well, actually I work here, so, yeah. <laughs> nice office. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, I'd say thank you for, for taking the time to join us. I'd like to generally ask about the travel club, the supporters club. I wonder if you can give us an overview of it. Um, well, I suppose, I'm sure a lot of members will know, um, it's sort of had many guises since around about 1990, a multitude of different names. Um, I'm far too young and I've not been here long enough to remember all of them. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it sort of started around 1990, um, sort of took off around year 96, various reasons. And yeah, I mean, it's sort of had its peaks and its, and its lows and things like that, but um, ultimately, yeah, um, we are kind of here to try and uh, sort of uh, represent the England supporters uh, and try and uh, try and do as best we can by them. And you personally, what's your position within the organisation? Um, so I, technically, I'm a membership officer. Um, I'm not quite sure you know, what that means. But um, so, yeah, I mean, my role really is uh, there's three of us within the team. So there's the boss, which is Harpery, which you all know from the ticket collection points. Uh, there's myself and, and there's Lauren as well. Um, so, so our roles are really dealing with um, specifically around away games. You know, there's a lot of work um, around uh, sort of ticket allocations, security, um, you know, actually receiving and allocating the tickets, uh, getting ticket collection points in place, the travel guides, the information we send out. Um, I'd say it's the primary role that we have. And of course, tournaments are like the the beast of, of you know uh, away games on on steroids. <laughs> um, so it's um, we start focusing on tournaments a lot longer than you'd think, and you know, pretty much straight after the United Nations League, it's right into Euro twenty twenty. So it's you know it's there's never really sort of a low moment where you're sort of sitting on your twiddling you know twiddling your thumbs. But but yeah, I mean from an away game perspective. There's a lot of organisation for, you know, for us to put in place for the supporters and um, obviously there's a lot of liaising with, with local FAs and local police and FA security team. From a home game, it's slightly more relaxed because um, obviously sort of other departments take over. But um, yeah, we always we always have sort of competition winners and kids and mascots that we try and look after and make sure they have a good time and... Uh, a lot of logistical nightmares, trying to get people from different seats to pitch side on match days and things like that. But yeah, and, and, and me personally, um, I, I work uh, closely with the uh, England Block 109 as well, um, trying to give them as much sort of freedom as possible, uh, home and away, uh, to sort of decorate Wembley as it were. Yeah, and they, they do a good job. 
Uh, and I think, well, that's that's a surprise to me that you say only three three people are part of the organisation. So yeah, it's three three of us that our primary work is on England Supporters Club and England Supporters Travel Club, um, and then there's the wider sort of like um, we're technically filed in marketing because it's sort of where do you put England Sports Clubs? Not it's a difficult one to catalogue. Yeah, but, but yeah, I mean. Um, yeah, the, the wider team, obviously, having put on on everything we do, but we're the three that, that sort of drive the, the sort of uh, the key sort of areas of, of England Sports Club. It's any communication, website, etc. Yeah, will come from you guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, so interesting on on tickets for home games. We will always, always, always try and get a good deal for travel club members, so like discounts or or, or whatnot. Obviously, we have a somewhat a seat at the table in that discussion, but of course, you know, there's there's far many other people that and reasons and things like that that sort of deal with that side of things. So yeah, I mean, we, we always do ask to try and get the best deal. So the last two games we've had twenty pound tickets in the home end for travel club members. It's because we ask. We always ask those questions. So who who are you asking? <laughs> um, it's more of a, a round table discussion. It's there's a lot of heads of uh, involved. And of course, you know, all football clubs have these discussions around ticket prices and whatnot. But we always table a, um, a request, you know, to, to try and get that because, you know, for us, we want the most loyal supporters to be rewarded consistently. So, yeah, and, and I like to think that, you know, we try and we get a lot of those sort of, um, sort of deals in terms of pricing on the table and, um, yeah, hopefully, you know, we'll get as many as possible. I know you've, you've very recently had the, Travel club members ticket period sale open before a uh, general sale, which is is that a recent thing that's come about through that? Um, do you mean so like travel club and then free members? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it, it used to be that way a while ago. Uh, I'm not sure where my boss tells me it did, um, but yeah, I mean it was more. So we had various um, focus groups. Um, sort of uh, last year and year before and um, we always try to ask a sort of core of similar questions to try and get an understanding of it uh, and then we put the minutes on the website and we try and gauge comments and read comments and see how people react to what the focus group came on see if there's like a, a consensus and it came apparent that people were asking for it on a regular basis to have like a separate travel club sale so we did it. I believe the first game was Italy. I might be wrong. Italy at home, I think. I'm not sure. But yeah, basically, it's to try and allow supporters a few things. One, they can have whichever seat they want. Now, I know, I look at you and I know the next question you want. <laughs> so the initial sort of standpoint is they have no pressure from outside supporters. They get to go into the sale, not worry. They can pick any category, any seat. So specific seats... <laughs> which I would assume the next question would be, you can select by calling Ticketmaster, which isn't the most, uh, which isn't the quickest thing to do. Mm. But um, if you want to select a specific seat, which is what sort of people who want to congregate around Block 109 want to do, and it's just another reason why we set up the pre-sale for Travel Club members so that we could get Travel Club members all sitting in clusters to create their atmosphere, yep. which is something they ask for. You, know, you can call Ticketmaster and you can book your seat. So the question... I'm sure you have asked around drilling down to specific seats. So for clubs, it's kind of different. For clubs, you have most of the seats taken up by season ticket holders. Therefore, let's just say 40,000 seats, 25,000 of those are season ticket holders. So you've only got a small number of seats to drill down to if you want to select as a member. 
which is doable on certain platforms. Yeah, there are 60,000 sort of general access seats on sale. Um, so the system in place couldn't drill down to that many seats. Um, yeah, we are always looking at upgrading sort of ticketing systems and things like that. And it's a, a lot longer process than you might like to think uh, to sort of overhaul a ticketing system for uh, you know, the FA when you think we deal with not just football games, but you know, events and concerts and things. So what we have proposed and what we, what we might do in the near future is to open up certain blocks within certain categories of, say, 500,000 tickets right. to allow people to select specific seats. So that's sort of like a, a, an interim compromise, potentially. But yeah, at the moment, um, because of the sheer volume of tickets that would be available, um, there isn't a possibility to have a drill-down function. Whereas clubs who would have, like, say, 10,000 tickets to do, it is quite easy for yeah. them. So I know QPR... Uh, QPR do it. Um, their stadium holds, I think, nineteen thousand, mm. and a lot of season ticket holders there. So it's um, it's a lot easier for obviously a small number of tickets. And I think Twickenham do it as well. Um, I'm not sure. It's only from what I'm what I've been told. Yeah. Um, obviously, a similar size, but it's it's good to know that thoughts are in place to uh, to be able to do that because I tend to sit, well, I guess, pretty much above where we're sitting now, um, and we always try and. Try and front get front row. row. Yeah, um, best, best seats in the house, I think. It's it's a cracking <laughs> seat. Yeah, upper tier, front row behind, or just to the to the right of the goal. But usually we'll get there or there or thereabouts, two or three rows behind. Yeah, um, yeah. No, great. Thanks for that one. Um, I would just say on that, I think um, obviously different um, you know, different sporting venues and organisations will have different systems in place. But yeah, you say where you sit, literally just above the most expensive seats in the house because they're just above the corporate boxes so literally you're getting a, a corporate view for well I don't know how much it is yeah. 40 odd quid depending upon the game <laughs> and, and also I actually see now sitting below here why the the block 109 banners are drawn up shortly before <laughs> the game kicks off because I always think it, it would be great to leave them yeah. as an intimidating atmosphere but they will just hang perhaps a little bit too low for this view um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are a lot of um, there are a lot of reasons, obviously, why they, they can't hang. Um, the wind being one of them, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, it is windy in here. But yeah, absolutely, it hangs below um, these seats. So, and again, one of the things they, they have asked um, is to have sort of permanent banners along um, the hoardings, like right. you see at some sort of clubs like United, mm. Chelsea, Arsenal. So yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, we can uh, sort of help them sort of decorate Wembley and make it feel like a, a proper home. Yeah. So sticking on tickets, you've, you've mentioned the process of tickets. What what's the reasoning behind they go on sale so so way in advance? Because I've already got my ticket for Bulgaria here. Kosovo recently went on sale down at Southampton, but that's uh, four months, four and a half months. Um, there's always a, a multitude of reasons in deciding sort of sale dates, um, and it depends on. Um, it depends on a lot of factors, such as uh, you've got quite a lot of clustered games coming up, so home and away, um, we've got the UEFA Nations League, um, and it's it's sort of if we, again, not down entirely to, to ES, ESTC, um, we do try and sort of uh, build into that factor, but it's more a case of we don't want to have, I think, two games on at the same time, really, if you can avoid it, just because you know, it's, it's nice to, to have like a staggered uh, approach to the sales, and also, you know, I think you look at um, historically Wembley 
Wembley hasn't always sold out. It is now, which is like amazing. It's fantastic. So I think the sort of um, the idea is that start early, leave it open for a longer period of time, let people come when they want, you know. But recently, yeah, we've been opening up a sale and people have been gobbling up the tickets, which is just amazing. Like it's, you know, a beautiful reaction to the World Cup really, isn't it? Yeah. And with, you say about selling out, with Kosovo being changed to Southampton, is that because you or, or powers above decided that Kosovo wouldn't sell out? Or what was the process about who um, decides that? So uh, genuinely, it, it's a, that sort of that decision process is above is above uh, me to exact reasons why. But it, the, the reasons for taking games on the road is obviously to try and get different parts of the country involved. It's really easy for people, sports of the travel club, to look at a game anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world, and you know they're nailed on. They go right. I know how to get there. I'm going to get there. Um, you know, I follow Chelsea home and away and across Europe, and it doesn't daunt me when there's a, a game elsewhere. But I think most of the people that come to Wembley, a large selection of people that come to Wembley, are people who are coming for the first time or you know, for maybe the second or third time. And so it's difficult for them, I think, to think to get to Wembley from outside London. Mm. So there's always we're always trying to take more games on the road to try and bring in you know different people, different parts of the country. I mean. In terms of deciding a venue, yeah, it's a collective decision sort of made by various internal departments. There's so many checklists to go through. Um, UEFA have to have a say. Um, you know, it's it, it's not as easy as just picking, just going, let's just go to Anfield. Yeah. You know? And so when, when these things get leaked as well, or, or supposedly leaked, it's always quite interesting because people will phone us and, and email us and go, well, I've heard it itself, I'm not going to say it. But actually... It's like the contract hasn't been signed. UEFA haven't approved it yet. They've still got to do site visit checks. No. Um, there's still broadcast issues. Because um, even though we, we have got, um, yeah, we've got many great stadia in, in the UK, and UEFA, I think, hold us to a slightly higher regard right. to other countries. So, for example, Montenegro hosted their game in their stadium, like a lovely little stadium, like a really sort of old, uh, proper stadium. Of course, we wouldn't be able to do it in the same stadium in the UK if that existed. I think they always actually ask us, um, I think UEFA always sort of say, act a little bit surprised when we try and take it away from Wembley. Okay. <laughs> because I think they think you've got an amazing stadium here, why would you possibly want to do that? And obviously, you know, the answer is to try and, you know, to take it to other parts of the country. I mean, it was beautiful when Wembley was being built, right? It yeah. went all around the country yeah. and people got involved. Because I think the frustration with Southampton was, you mentioned the, the Montenegro game there and it was, almost supporters got a heads up of it was going to be in Southampton and it became the worst kept secret until it was announced a month, six weeks later. Yeah, I have no idea who leaks this information. Like, surely it must be internal. I, I don't know. I have yeah. no idea where it comes from. But it does It does happen. But yeah, I mean, it, it's just, um, it, it, like I said, even up until it was announced, it wouldn't have been 100% confirmed until it, maybe a few days or a week before it was announced, you know. Like I said, like we're always getting calls of people saying that, and it's kind of like we've had, we've been sort of, you know, been in the backside in the past where we've announced something ahead of contracts being signed. And was I think that the, was that Thailand game? It's before my time, yeah. yeah. Um, and and then it's become an issue where we've basically told people this is happening. Book your travel, book your yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's sort of a slightly more cautious 
point of view. And some people do say, well, why don't you just say it's probably going to be in Southampton? But then it's kind of like, you know, people, if you, if you already think it probably will be there, it's, it's really difficult for, for the FA to come out and say, we're probably going to be in Southampton, but don't book it just yet because we're not sure. Yeah, it'd be very odd. But yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly it's certainly funny. I mean, some of the calls we get um, as soon as there's a sort of uh, you know a leak in information, so as it were, people just go, "Oh, but my train travel," and it's it's, it's it's brilliant, right? Because these people just want to go to the game; they want to get the, the cheapest yeah. deal, and, and I get that because you know I'm the same for Chelsea. I want cheapest train travel, I want cheapest flights, I want cheapest everything, you know, because these people spend a hell of a lot of money. Sometimes I, I don't know. I you know you get people who go to every club game, every away game, every England game. It's it's amazing. I, I it's, yeah, it's, it's not something I could do. No, I, I I couldn't I couldn't afford it. And you know, I, it's, it's, football football's uh, very expensive these days, isn't it? So the commitment's incredible, and I get why people want that information as soon as possible. And we always try to, but only when it's hundred percent. Yeah, of course. So do we know? Could you? You probably can't tell me this, but do we know if any other games are likely to be played on the road? Um, from as far as I'm aware, I think they are looking at uh, another one within this campaign. I think before Euro 2020, I think, but um, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. I'm, I'm sure there will be another game on the road. Certainly, there's no probable yet. It's just a uh, in no, the pipeline. No, I, th- I think. I think now. Um, I think pre Euro twenty sixteen when we went to the Etihad and Sunderland, I think. Yes. For Turkey and Australia, was it? Yeah, before that, those games were a big big success and I think it was the first time we'd done on the road game in a little while. And um yeah, I think one of the things people maybe have a misconception of is like the FA is quite a like a bunch of old men in, in suits and stuff. But well, I can confirm you're not. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not in, I'm not dressed too much. Jeans and a shirt. <laughs> But it's, uh, I had the same conception before I started here. And it's just full of you know, young people who, who genuinely love football, some more than others. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's kind of like everyone in and around the FA gets and understands why taking it on the road is, is important. And I think a lot of people in a lot of sort of you know, positions of, of power will always want that. But like I said, there are so many, like, Different sort of a multitude of, of, of um, collective decisions that need to make, both internally and externally. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not always possible, and you know, I, I hope I hope we'll get a few more on the road before you return to it. I, I suspect we will. I just no idea where. Leave it for a surprise. <laughs> so, I mean, the the big thing coming up is the Nations League mm-hmm. in Portugal. What what's your process for that? What's been going on? What's coming up? How does that work? <laughs> so, the UEFA Nations League has been a big really interesting sort of thing for us because no one knew anything about because it's new right mm, yeah so we were trying to we were going on the same sort of journey as the supporters trying to figure out exactly what happens next you know uh what happens if we win what happens if we come top and uh, so it's uh now we're finally at the uefa nations league finals so all very exciting really to, to build up from that it is like a mini tournament but it's also kind of like two away games so it's not quite a tournament it's not quite an away game right so it's it's really been you know, similar to away games in, in that we organise, um, you know, we, we have members of staff like my boss will go to the to the venues, you know, we'll, we'll look at uh, places for ticket collections, fan hubs, um, shuttle buses, which we're hoping to be able to, to put on, organise the travel guide, all the information around that, security, you know, like the, where the allocation of board line, like the segregation lines are going to be. Yeah. You know, the, the sale of tickets, the, the distribution of that information, 
it involves a lot of to and fro with UEFA, um, and of course, you know, um, yeah, very a lot of information gets floated around, and a lot of stuff has to be signed off, and you know, we can't communicate this and the other without UEFA's approval. And on on the actual ticket sale itself, yeah, we got allocated nine thousand general access tickets, which was amazing for both games. So we went on sale to travel club members, um, and basically, yeah, you probably don't remember. We tried to do a step-by-step process, pictures, everything, because it's a very com- complicated mm. process. So in terms of registering for us and then having to re-register details with UEFA, um, and that's just kind of, we have to follow UEFA's rules, right? Um, if it was our sale, wouldn't be a problem, same as the away game. But quite a lot of supporters, I say quite a lot, in, in grand scheme of things it's not, but um, a, a section of supporters had sort of entered in information incorrectly for their sale. So they've put incorrect fan numbers, uh, incorrect dates of birth, incorrect uh, any information. So the sale data comes back to us. And we tried initially UEFA stances, any incorrect information, that's it, all the gone. Uh, and we do this for every tournament. We always end up having a discussion with them and saying, look, Give us the sale data. We will analyze it. We'll contact those supporters who have, have put in incorrect information. We'll get them to correct it. We'll send it back to you. Don't cancel anything. Because the last thing we want is, and again, we're not making money out of this because the, the sales are through UEFA, right? It's not like we're trying to salvage ticket money. It's, you know, for, it happened in the Euros, my first tournament here. Uh, it happened in the World Cup. Uh, it happens again. It always happens. Yeah. I'm guilty of, of messing up applications, so <laughs> I get it. But yeah, I mean, that actually was probably the hardest, uh, the most fiddly bit of the whole organising of everything. Because right. we kind of have you know, ideas and we know how to sort of do this for certain away games and certain tournaments. We sort of, you know, we're well vetted. When it comes to this, communicating to supporters that they've put in correct information, trying to get them to correct it, <laughs> and, then, and then trying to make sure that they know that their tickets are okay. It's quite stressful, um, but yeah, not a single order has been cancelled that they wouldn't have won cancelled in the first place, and that's really been a, a big part of this. Um, obviously, and, and for me, it's it's really important. I feel like it'd be very easy for us to just go, just they screwed it up, forget it, just cancel tickets, it's fine. But yeah, I mean, we we kind of do take it upon ourselves to to try and make sure sort of you know, no man, woman, child left behind. Um, yeah, and like, like I say, you know, I'm Chelsea home and away. My boss is Liverpool home and away. My other colleague Lauren is Arsenal home and away. Like we all, we all sort of love football and we get what it is, how difficult it is being a supporter. Mm. Um, so we do try and do our best to sort of rectify any of those issues. Well, on behalf of England supporters, so thank you for that. Do you have any any contact with the other nations? Portugal, Holland, Switzerland. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> not Portugal at the moment. Um, <laughs> As host. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I mean, we obviously we pick up contacts as we go. Yeah? Like we have away games, we sort of meet our counterparts. Um, yeah, we always try and host sort of fans matches, which is what I'm trying to organise now. I'm trying to organise a, a fans match, sort of like a mini tournament uh, in between the two games. Okay. Um, and so... I think the Netherlands have actually pulled out because they're not taking they're not taking enough supporters. Uh, I think they're only taking um, I think four or five thousand in total. That's a surprise, considering in the past there uh, you see these large, <laughs> massive orange. Absolutely, yeah. I think I reckon. I mean, those are the numbers that we've been 
uh, sort of given, I reckon you'll still you'll still see a lot. I mean, five thousand orange T-shirts looks 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 amazing still, mm. right? But yeah, I mean, we're hoping to get some kind of sort of fan uh, fans match out there, be it with um, well, I suppose even Switzerland or Portugal. But yeah, so um, yeah, we definitely have like you know, contact with them, uh, and you, know, you make friends down the years, and you see them again and again, things mm. like that. So obviously, we buy we buy our tickets to watch England, and for those that are lucky enough to go away, we get rewarded with two caps. There's a a bone of contention, I guess, with with many that a home game also yeah. is awarded two caps, which was changed four or five years ago. I don't know off the top of my head. I think, yeah, I think it was. I think it was four four and a half years ago. What, do you know what the reason behind that is? Yeah. Um, so initially, I think from an ESTC perspective, um, like I think it was wasn't it? It was two games, two caps for a home game, one for away. Was it initially? I think that I think that was one of the con- controversial acts, which didn't last very long. Um, and rightly so. Um, in terms of, of the, the number of, of caps awarded, um, it's always, like you say, a hot point discussion and something that gets brought up in um, you know, during sort of fans forum and things like that. So obviously, um, you know, for me at, at Chelsea, Chelsea awards uh, actually less caps as well for a lot of games for going at one of caps forty points mm. for going to away for like big away games because they feel like everyone wants to go right. So uh, and then for the lesser away games, they offer more. Um, I think you're always going to have a system whereby um, people are sort of unhappy, right? I mean, I think, and there's always a point of discussion, there's always debate. I actually kind of feel, um, you know, from, from our point of view, we, we've got two home, two away. Um, the reason that is because we have sort of uh, bonus caps, so there's one to try and sort of... Um, As a renewal cap. Yeah, renewal bonus caps to try and... So if they're two, that's one that sort of makes people... Uneven, if that means that makes sense. It's always something that we look at. Um, I, like I said, I think it was two for a home, one for away, and that got changed to two at home, two for away. You know, some people think there should be more for away game, less for home game. Um, I mean, ultimately, um, you know, we do have forums and we do try and take these on board. And um, when it comes to renewals, we always discuss it internally. But yeah, I mean, I don't see it changing for the next membership. But I would I would encourage anyone who has like a strong opinion on these sorts of things, who doesn't come to a forum, just literally drop drop us an email with your thoughts, but articulate them. Tell us what you because we read every email. We you know any email that has any suggestions towards it, we take on board. We have separate file that uh, logs things that we bring up um, for discussion when we talk about renewals or we go to fans forums to bring up. Um, so it's not like you have to sit there and, and talk about it and have and get angry at it. Like, you know, like we, all, we all do, right? You know, yeah. everyone moans about their club. So if enough people ask, then generally that's what we're here for, you know. Um, at the moment, I think we're, we're pretty comfortable in the way the system works, the, law, the law system works, and the way that games are allocated. I think it's quite fair, especially in relation to other clubs and stuff like that. I think it's fair in Chelsea. Anyone who has any thoughts on it, drop an email, articulate your thoughts. If you've got 100 people that you think, think the same, tell us, you know, because yeah. that, that's kind of what we're here for, to try and make sure that it's suited best possibly for the travel companies. You mentioned fan forums there. Obviously, last year before the World Cup, you had a couple, one at Walsall and one at Leeds. Is there any plans to do any, any more in the future? Uh, yeah, always. So there'll definitely be ones in the build-up to Euro 2020. It's always something that I think people think is a great thing and loads of people will attend. But then sometimes we don't get the, the interest back. So we've had to cancel a few, uh, like Newcastle, I think one in the Midlands, where we advertised it didn't get enough interest. Yeah. And I think there's, um, we always 
we always, always try to yeah, organise these sorts of things because it is important to try and engage with people outside London. And there's a couple of um, sort of post-World Cup sort of supporters groups um, popping up. Uh, so um, a gentleman called Leo Neal runs uh, one in the Midlands. Um, I don't know if you're familiar. Um, and he's... So Harpreet, um, my boss, uh, head of the English Sports Trump Club, she's heading up there, um, I think... It's tomorrow. I think it's tomorrow, yeah. So she's going up to answer questions there. And it's kind of great if, you know, if, if local supporters do that as well because... It's sort of, you know, if, if they create a group, so he's created a group. He's told us he's got a lot of interest. He said that there's a lot of people that go, a lot of interest, a lot of interesting questions. And that's great, right? Because it's like that these are the people that are the most active and passionate people because they're doing it off their own back. So we'll happily support that. We'll, we'll go up there and we'll ask questions. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk to those people uh, as well. But in terms of organising fans forums, um, yeah, we always look at it. We try and gauge areas uh, we haven't moved for as well. Um, definitely, definitely be something for you 2020. The London one will definitely happen because there's more people in London, it's yeah. easier, right? But I mean, if anyone sort of, you know, wants to gather up their mates and tell us that there'll be 50 people coming in an area to talk about it, then let us know, you know, we'll, we'll try and get up there if we can. So, With club sites playing in Europe on a regular basis, they're going to maybe similar places yeah. that England will, will go to. We're due to play... Czech Republic, I'm guessing in Prague. Mm-hmm. Chelsea, I believe. You probably went, did you? Uh, <laughs> I didn't actually. Oh, yeah. no, I was, I was, uh, I was uh, saving the wallet on that one. All right. Would you liaise with with Chelsea to find out their experience of that ground and that surroundings? Um, yes. Um, I mean, Prague's obviously a little bit different because we don't know what the venue is at the moment. Um, and again, I guess a point on that actually is that host nations have until 120 days before a fixture to tell us everything ticket prices allocation everything. so we don't know what that is at the moment but certainly you know if, if we have a counterpart um, you know within a, a club that's been there um, sometimes it's not even as much as contact them it's looking at their at their communications what they've said to supporters uh, maybe looking at what supporters were saying but yeah definitely we you know, we try and learn off of, uh, off of you know, how other clubs have, have dealt with it basically but Chelsea yeah I mean we, we did we did contact them and just asked them um, sort of a few questions about the away end and, and whatnot in case it is there but yeah I mean nothing really nothing really crazy came out of that you know mm-hmm. sort of fairly standard but, um, but yeah definitely you know we always try and learn off of, off of others you know, so we don't make the same mistakes <laughs> right yeah and we've got the, the Nations League coming up but following that ever so shortly is the, the Women's World Cup we know you as looking after the the men's seniors game. Do you oversee the, the lionesses? Have they got a similar organisation? Yes. Yeah, so, kind of lionesses have um, sort of really taken off in, I'd say, the last two years. I'd say. So initially, you know, it was uh, you know trying to meet the demand of people who wanted to go to these games. Um, so yeah, we we do look after them at the moment. Um, yeah, we're looking after the, the ticketing side of things. So the lionesses sports club is is yeah launching launched depending on when you listen to this. And uh, you, know, you will be able to become a member and that membership will build in a similar fashion to the England Sports Club. So it is in its, in, in its infancy at the moment. And um, yeah, so we, um, we're selling tickets for the Women's World Cup. Um, if you want to go to France, it's dirt cheap, but eight quid a ticket uh, for all the games. Um, I think we've got about a thousand people going roughly for, for each game, give or take a hundred or so, which is absolutely amazing. Like to have a thousand odd people 
in a block, you know, in like a, because previously it would have been scattered, right? Whoever wanted to go. I think a big draw of obviously following your club is to be amongst the you know, other supporters, right? And, and that's what Linus's supporters club is going to try and do is to create that community uh, that supports Linus's and, and travels home and away. And uh, to have that many people going over is fantastic. So yeah, at the moment we are um, obviously looking after that side of things, but I think as it grows and becomes bigger, then obviously I think um, there'll probably be a dedicated team uh, potentially to sort of look after it, like being a sports club. So is it going to be a Busy summer for you, Portugal then France. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not. Um, I won't be in France unless um, I think unless sort of uh, it goes a little bit crazy. Um, we should maybe get to the final and, and loads of people want to come. Um, uh, my colleague Lauren will be um, looking after the sort of ticket TCPs and ticket collection points for the Linuses out in France, um, and uh, myself and Harper will be doing that for the um, UEFA Nations League. Are you in communication with the guys who do the free lines, the FSF? Yeah, like all the time. <laughs> yeah, um, love love King Kev, uh, great guy. Um, but yeah, always. Um, you know, they they do a really important. Um, they play a really important role um, for England supporters. And um, yeah, we always talk with them about. Uh, you know, we always find out where they're going to be. You know, um, we, we we always liaise with uh, with the FSF. You'll see at the ticket collection points. There's always uh, free lines sprawled across our. Yeah. Our desk, they, they keep coming in every sort of hour or so and dumping a sort of <laughs> few hundred on there. But yeah, I mean, you know, they, they, they offer an important role to supporters. They're sort of like the, the, the point of contact that I think people trust the most because uh, they're sort of independent from sort of, you know, us and from other football organizations. So yeah, I mean, if there's ever any other issues or anything ever happens or whatever, there's always a line of contact and you know, we have a good relationship with, with them. Um, I've drinks them all out there, so <laughs> no, they're, they're really great. Cool. I think I've come to pretty much the end of what what I wanted to initially say. Is, is there anything that you would want to add? Um, first of all, I listen to every episode, oh, so you, you can't slag me off <laughs> in, in a separate episode. No, uh, honestly, like I know, yeah, you know, I think one of the main things that people kind of perceive of like the FA and England Sports Club is like. We don't care, right? And, and it kind of, it, it always hurts me anyway when I read that because it's really a lot more um, intrinsic and uh, and sort of uh, the multitude levels are so huge here trying to get work done, right? I mean, it, it's a big organisation. But every everything, I, I like to think that most things that the supporters think and believe and want is what we also try and deliver from, from you know internally yeah I mean like you know, like I said you've got three of us who uh, absolutely love football uh, follow home and away but yeah I mean like you know whenever there's a there's a grumbling about this that and the other you know uh, I 100% get it but um, yeah I mean we, we always do try and do the best we can and like I said earlier I would encourage anybody who has any thoughts uh, constructive thoughts <laughs> on uh, on how we how we run things to just drop us an email because like I said we read every one of them we take things on board always open to new suggestions and, and interesting and interesting things and yeah, we've learned a lot off of fans forums and even just people calling in someone will say something and it's like oh yeah that, that is that is a good point you know and then that's it you know sort of the wheels are in motion um, so yeah like you know we're not like this closed off sort of unreachable sort of uh, department within the FA that doesn't doesn't give a you know, a rat's ass you know call us email us contact us talk to us at a ticket collection point yeah, we're all lovely people, I promise. Uh, especially my boss, if she's listening. But yeah, I mean, yeah, we're here to try and 
try and get it right and to make everything as good as possible, <laughs> really. Because as soon as, when I do eventually leave uh, this post, I don't know when, uh, you know, I'll be, I'll be a member. So, you know, try and, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll be bugging them a lot. Trust <laughs> well, I'd like to thank you for your time and giving us a, an insight into to what it's like a, a day in the life of, as it were. <laughs> um, and, well, we'll see it in a, not in a different light because I always knew that you had sort of best interests at heart, but it's it's good to hear that and, and good to be able to, to pass it on. Yeah, that was, thank you for having me. No, thank you. Yeah. There we go. Thank you to Richard Weeks for his time and all at the England Supporters Club. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you found it informative. Do tell your friends about it. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you've heard, all 49 other episodes are available on threelionspodcast.com or on your podcast provider. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Please do come say hi. And whilst you're online going surfing, please do give us a thumbs up. I'll be back soon, as I say, with that Nations League and Lioness podcast. And I hope you can join me for those. In the meantime, cheers.